All right, good morning, Crossbridge. So uh, I'm glad we opened with that song because, hey, here's the deal. No matter what you're going through in life, and we talked about this a little bit last week, whether life is great right now or you've suffered tragedy and things are, you're down this morning, there's nothing better than God and there's no better place you can be than around brothers and sisters in the Lord and worshiping with them and worshiping our God. So I'm glad you're here this morning. Let's go to the Lord in prayer uh, and then we'll have our welcoming time. Lord Jesus, I thank you, God, this morning just for the opportunity, Lord, to be here uh, today, to teach your word, to worship uh, you, Lord, with my brothers and sisters, Lord. And uh, there's been a lot of heartache this week with um, people passing away and uh, going to heaven, and, and that should be a joyful thing. But it's just been a tough week, uh, I know, for people in our body. And, uh, Lord, so just be with them this morning. Give them peace and comfort, uh, Lord, today. And we just love you, Lord. And I thank you that, that we're here this morning. And in everything we do, we give you the praise and glory. In your name I pray. Amen. Take a couple of minutes this morning. Welcome, everyone. guy. So I'm worshiping with you. So we're going to let the ladies take this off. Here we go. You got it, Kim. Right now. Are you past the point of weary? Is your burden weighing heavy? Is it all too much to carry? Let me tell you about my Jesus. Do you feel that empty Are you desperate for some healing? Let me tell you about my Jesus. Oh, he makes the way where there ain't no way. Rises up from an empty grave. Ain't no sinner that he can't save. Let me tell you about my Jesus. His love is strong and his grace is free. And the good news is I know that he He's done for me. Let me tell you about my Jesus. Let my Jesus change your life. Hallelujah. 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 Amen. Amen. You can wipe away the tears from broken dreams and wasted years and tell the past to disappear. Let me tell you about my Jesus. All the wrong turns that you would go and undo if they could. Who can work it all for you good? Let me tell you about my Jesus. Yeah. He takes the 
announcements. I know I've uh, seen some visitors this morning, so let me go over kind of our schedule, what we normally do uh, throughout the week. On Saturday nights, every Saturday night, we have a service we call Freeway. Uh, it's an outreach, a ministry. <laughs> That's good. That's all right. <laughs> We're, the whole goal uh, is to share the gospel with the lost and dying world. So we have a, we have a service every Saturday night where we share the gospel. Um, we, we help people that are struggling with drug and alcohol addiction. We have dinner at 530, uh, and the service starts at 6. So that's every Saturday night here at the church. Um, the goal is to share the gospel and then plug people into the local church. So we, we try to do that every single week, uh, Saturday night at 530. Wednesday nights are a big night here at the church. Um, we have cooking teams that cook dinner uh, every Wednesday night. And we have dinner with one another at 6 o'clock. We're not just giving you a cold sandwich. These guys make big meals, uh, and they're good. And so uh, come on Wednesday nights, 6 o'clock for dinner. Uh, our cold sandwiches on the menu this Wednesday because I'm in trouble if they are. <laughs> uh, classes start at 6.45 on Wednesday nights. We have uh, kids' classes, youth classes, uh, and adult Bible study up here uh, every Wednesday night at 6.45, but dinner starts at 6.00. Uh, on Sunday nights, really excited about the new women's Bible study that starts tonight here at the church at 6 o'clock. Men's Bible study will be downstairs in the kitchen at 6 o'clock. So we have Bible study on Sunday nights. Um, what else? Grief share. Grief share on Thursday nights. So this is, something, this is a ministry that we've just started here in the last few weeks. Stephanie uh, is here this morning. You want to stand up and wave to everybody? Uh, her and Michael have been leading the grief shares, right? Or are you just, you're kind of, you're kind of, and Brenda, okay, um, Brenda. Uh, so the, the uh, grief share is if you've lost a loved one, if you've suffered loss in your life, uh, we have a group that meets on Thursday nights uh, at 6 o'clock, 6 to 8 here at the church, and um, it's a great ministry. That's Thursday nights. Monday nights, ladies have another Bible study on Monday nights uh, here at the church at 6 p.m. So a uh, lot going on. Uh, the Bible study uh, for the ladies tonight is on emotional victory. Do you have any of the books left, Brenda? Kickoff night. 
Perfect. So they'll start chapter one tonight. They still have books. It's on emotional victory. So ladies, should be a great uh, study. Uh, some other stuff we got going on. Uh, the, the fall outreach at the park. So uh, not only do we do freeway on Saturdays, uh, once a quarter or once every other month, we like to hold community events over at the park where we share the gospel. We preach the gospel. We have bounce houses. We have meals. Uh, we feed people. That is Sunday, October 1st, which is, is that next Sunday? Next Sunday. Next Sunday afternoon from 1 to 4 at the park. Where's our outreach guy? Where's Mike at? Is Mike right? There he is. We, what do we need for the outreach, Mike? What do people need to do? Just come. You got volunteers all lined up? <laughs> okay, you show up, he's going to put you to work. We're not necessarily winging it because I think we have food planned, right? Yeah, we have dinner planned and like... We're Mike's version of winging it next Sunday afternoon, okay? But what I promise is the gospel is going to be shared. Uh, we're going to have a good time of fellowship one another. That's going to be at the park. I know we need rain, but let's pray that we don't have any rain next Sunday afternoon. Uh, football fans, I don't know, download an app where you can watch the game while you're there. We'll, we'll survive one Sunday afternoon, okay? Uh, one Sunday afternoon. Next Sunday from 1 to 4. All right, something I'm excited about. Um, the first pastor who ever pastored here at Crossbridge that we're celebrating 20 years uh, this year, Curtis. A lot of you know Curtis. Some of you don't. Curtis is going to be with us uh, on Sunday, October 15th. Uh, and we're going to celebrate Crossbridge's 20th uh, anniversary, 20th birthday, I guess you'd say, right? Uh, the 20th birthday uh, in the morning service. And then that afternoon, we have what we call Fall Fest, where we're going to be really celebrating. And that is at Stephen Dana's house. I always forget their address for some reason. I know how to get there, but is their address up there? There it is. Uh, it's at Stephen Dana's. It's right outside of town on Turnbow Road. Uh, I don't know what all, I know we're going to have a big fire, right? We'll have a big bonfire, and if Steve doesn't want to have a big bonfire, we will, we will push Steve away, and we're going to build a big fire. We're going to get a, where's Steve at? He's back here in the media. He's going to shut my mic off, aren't you? But we'll have a big bonfire, and we'll have food and games, and we're going to celebrate Crossbridge's 20th birthday, and we'll celebrate the Lord. Uh, we're really busy doing outreach, so it's good for us also to have time to fellowship with one another and visit with one another and uh, get time to visit with new people that are, are coming to Crossbridge. So uh, please plan on coming that day. It's a, it's a, a Sunday, after, Sunday afternoon, uh, October 15th at Stephen Dana's, and the time is what, 2.33 till... Whenever the fire goes out. We may be there a couple of weeks, guys. I don't know. No, not really. But we'll have fun. Uh, and then November 12th is also the Thanksgiving dinner. So we have a Thanksgiving dinner uh, every year. And we have a time of, of just giving thanks to the Lord for what he's blessed us with. We have a church Thanksgiving dinner. That is uh, Sunday, November 12th at 5 p.m. here at the church. I don't think I forgot anything. Oh, shoebox ministry list. Uh, shoebox ministry, uh, it's, a, it's a very, very important thing. Uh, yeah, there's the list right there, shoebox ministry list. Bring those items in. We'll pack those shoeboxes. Uh, it's for Franklin Graham's Samaritan's Purse. We'll pack them in November, correct? And then we got Sierra's wedding shower also on here. Wedding shower is October 8th after, after church, after the morning service. So anything else that I forgot? Yes. 
Yes, so we had the banquet last Tuesday and for Choices Pregnancy Center, which is a, um, it's an organization that helps young mothers so that they choose not to get an abortion. Um, it, a lot of people, when I say Choices, they think, oh, hey, are you trying to uh, abide and help people get abortions? No, just the opposite. We're trying to get people in that want one, and then we show there's ultrasounds that are given uh, to them and show them what life is, and the, uh, that child inside of them is life and created in God's image, and they share the gospel with these young ladies. They're also starting a, a father program, a mentorship for fathers. We had the banquet on Tuesday. It went really good. We had a great time. I don't know how much money was raised, Shelly, you know? $76,000 was raised for choices. Yep. Is that the most ever? Wow. Okay. Good. And so we had a great event uh, in Springfield, and Choices is, has already broke ground right off of a highway. They had the groundbreaking ceremony, so it's awesome. So, all right. So there you go. All right. Anything else? If you, yes, Steve. Huh? Men's breakfast, thank you. Men's, oh, not men's, women's. I'm going to be in trouble. Women's breakfast and coffee, Tuesday at 8.30 a.m. at Mom's Cafe. I normally have a paper up here. Men's prayer breakfast is the third Saturday of every month. There it is. Third Saturday of every month at uh, Grillo's. Next one is Saturday, October 21st. Okay. All right, if you would stand, let's uh, take up the, uh, the offering this morning, and we'll start our worship time together. Lord Jesus, I thank you, uh, God, this morning again that we could gather and worship you, Lord. And as we do in our time of lifting our voices in song, uh, Lord, we want to give you our best back this morning. So, Lord, uh, take this and use it to further your kingdom, that the gospel will be shared uh, locally, but also regionally and across the world and supporting our missionaries in Thailand and, and uh, the others that we have that we're supporting. And in everything we do, God, we want to give you our best in song, in worship, and in the preaching and teaching of your word. And so, Lord, we love you today and we thank you. In your name I pray. Amen. Is that awkward? <laughs> I can't stand for my guitar to be out of tune, guys. It drives my ear crazy, and I'm like, oh, no! And I don't want to stop in the song and say, oh, no! So here we are. <laughs> now we'll go.
don't know about you guys, but I had a pretty long week. Um, my daughter got married. Yeah, right? And she actually did it. I was like, I, her, her husband and their groomsmen did like this huddle because they think they're cool, you know? They huddled right when he said, if there's anybody, they huddled up. And I'm like, what the heck are these kids doing? And they were joking and talking. And then he's like, okay, yeah, I want to do it still. And I was in the middle of the wedding. I'm like, bro, you could have pulled that prank like in the parking lot or something, bro. This is your, because my daughter, if you guys would have seen her face, she literally was about ready to walk off the stage. She's like, I'm done with it was awesome. Like, that was the best thing about it. But And I cried because, you know, that's my first um, baby girl, and she's married now. That's a big thing. So, anyway, sorry I cried. So, um, we're going to do another song and praise the Lord together. And it's a good day. I don't know. I just got the joy this morning, guys. So, this song is um, a little rough because I'm a little rough at it, but I love this song. I love But you
right. So this morning, open your Bibles if you would to Genesis 39. So we're going to have children's church this morning. Savannah and Charleston are going to take the kiddos down. I know, it's Chasten, but hold on. I give everybody nicknames, and his name is Chasten, but from day one I started calling him Charleston. And now he's... Now he's called Charleston or Chester or Brian Gendry calls him Chadwick. We just got lots of nicknames around here, okay? So they're doing children's church this morning, but hey, let me say this. Today is a sensitive subject, parents. So I, I told them I would like fifth grade, fifth grade and below to go down this morning. If you want your child to go down, we're going to be talking about sexual sin and temptation this morning is where we're at uh, with Joseph and Potiphar's wife. So uh, here's the thing. As a preacher, I'm not going to avoid anything, folks. I'm just not going to, and we can't. So, But it is a sensitive subject. So if you would like your child or a uh, younger one in your household to go downstairs this morning. They're going to take fifth grade and below and have children's church this morning downstairs. So if you want them to stay up here, that's okay. I'm not going to get graphic, all right? But there are, uh, there, there, it is a sensitive subject. So, um, yes, you all make that decision. And if, if, you're, if they stay in and then it gets a little bit too much and you want to take them down, take them down. You're not going to offend me at all, okay? Genesis 39, Genesis 39 7 through 20. Genesis 39, 7 through 20. Let's start with the, 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 let's, so let's start with the middle of 6. It says, Now Joseph was handsome in form and appearance, and after a time his master's wife cast her eyes on Joseph and said, Lie with me. But he refused and said to his master's wife, Behold, because of me my master has no concern about anything in the house. And he has put everything that he has in my charge. He is not greater in this house than I am, nor has he kept back anything from me except you, because you are his wife. How then can I do this great wickedness and sin against God? And as she spoke to Joseph day after day, he would not listen to her to lie beside her or to be with her. But one day, when he went into the house to do his work, and none of the men of the house was there in the house, she caught him by his garment, saying, Lie with me. But he left his garment in her hand, and he fled and got out of the house. And as soon as she saw that he had left his garment in her hand and had fled out of the house, she called to the men of the household and said to them, See, he has brought us among a Hebrew to laugh at us. He came in to me to lie with me, and I cried out with a loud voice. And as soon as he heard that I had lifted up my voice and cried out, he left his garment beside me and fled and got out of the house. Then she laid up his garment by her until his master came home, and she told him the same story, saying, The Hebrew servant whom you have brought among us came in to laugh at me. But as soon as I lifted up my voice and cried, he left his garment beside me and fled out of the house. As soon as his master heard the words that his wife spoke to him, This is the way your servant treated me. His anger was kindled, and Joseph's master took him and put him into prison, the place where the king's prisoners were confined, and he was there in prison. Let us pray. Lord Jesus, I thank you, Lord. Uh, this morning. Well, I thank you for this text. Uh, you use everything in here uh, for your glory uh, and to bring about uh, yourself to die for us on the cross. And so, uh, Lord, this morning, this is a sensitive subject, but it is one that needs to be preached. And it's one that, um, Lord, the church needs to hear. And I pray this morning, I pray for conviction. I pray for conviction this morning where people need to be convicted. I pray for encouragement that you are the solution. Uh, and I pray for strong families, strong marriages this morning. And in everything, we give you the praise and glory. It's in your name I do pray. Amen. You may be seated. 
So I am excited to be back in the book of Genesis here, looking at the life of Joseph. Uh, and, and I really do pray that last week was an encouraging message, that no matter what you're going through in life, God is absolutely with you. Uh, he was with Joseph in everything and everywhere. Even whenever his brothers cast him into the pit, they sold him into slavery. Uh, who was with him the whole time? God was. Uh, and that's not anything new for us to learn. We read scripture over and over and over and we see that God is with his children. From Moses to Joshua uh, to, to Joseph here. He promises us that nothing can separate us from his love in Romans chapter 8. So nothing can separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus. We also uh, looked at that Potiphar was a pretty smart guy. He saw that God was blessing Joseph and he put him in charge of all of his affairs. He surrounded himself with someone that God was using and blessing. And we should surround ourselves with people that God is using and blessing. Our most intimate relationships should be with those of other believers, of other Christians. We should want to rub elbows with them and, and, uh, and learn from them. Um, and, and making fellowship with one another, making fellowship in the saints uh, in a congregation should be one of the highest priorities, if not the highest priority that we have in our lives. So today, in this text, it's one that I'm not going to avoid. I'm not going to skip around it because it's a tough subject. I, we just can't do that. Uh, we see that Joseph has once again found himself locked away. He is innocent. He is innocent of this, but once again, he is in trouble. And so I want to start with where this all starts this morning uh, in verses 7 and 9 in Genesis 39. And, and the first point I want to talk about is overcoming sexual temptation. Uh, he did a lot of things good here that we can learn from. Joseph, uh, we know from Scripture, is a scrapping, handsome young man that catches the eye of a certain young woman or young lady woman, Potiphar's wife, she goes to Joseph and she comments on how good looking he is. And she says, I want to engage in adultery with you. It's basically what she said. Come, come to bed with me, right? And so Joseph does a couple of things that we can learn from here. Uh, and, and the first one, though, I want to start with us is that it, Scripture teaches us over and over. Joseph's tempted to do this, right? And we are going to be tempted in our lives. Satan is going to try to tempt you in this area. Temptation is going to come. We live in a world today that I think is very much different than what Joseph lived in. There was still sin, but I think there's even more temptation today. Guess what Joseph didn't have in his back pocket? An iPhone. An iPhone that had access to all sorts of websites all over. There are more temptations to sin sexually right now than any time in the history of the world. It's just the way it is because of technology. Technology can be a very, very good thing. It can also be a very, very bad, horrible thing. In fact, here's some statistics for you. 20% of married men, 20% report to cheating on their spouses. 10% of women. The access to social media pages, apps, dating apps, Communication has never been so easy than it is today. And that has increased that number. 57% of men ages 30 to 49 reported having watched pornography in the past month, according to the Institute for Family Studies. 40 million Americans are regular visitors to pornography sites. There are 42 million sites of pornography. The annual revenue from pornography is more than the NFL, the NBA, and Major League Baseball combined. 
It is also more combined revenue from pornography than NBC, CBS, and ABC combined. In the church, what about the church? 68% of church-going men view pornography on a regular basis. What does that tell me this morning? Do I think we're special church? I hope we're a lot lower than that, but that tells me there's people that struggle with this. Christian young adults, 18 to 24 years old, 76% actively search for pornography. Ladies, it says, according to Mission Frontiers, that 87% of Christian women have viewed pornography. So to think that we aren't being tempted into sexual sin would literally be to have our heads buried in the sand. And to not want to acknowledge that this is a huge problem and just to not be paying attention. And why would we not pay attention? Because we're embarrassed, because we're scared, because we don't want to talk about the tough subjects, the sensitive subjects. This is a temptation that is there and is going to keep increasing. The damage that it does to relationships and families is very evident. 56% of divorces involve one party that has an obsessive interest in pornography. So what does this all tell us? It tells us what scripture says in 1 Peter 5.8. That be, to be sober-minded, sober be watchful. Your adversary, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion seeking someone to devour. He is seeking to devour families. What is one of the main goals of Satan? To destroy the biblical family. We see that all over our country. It's not just pornography. We're living in this whole society of this huge sexual revolution. You, you can't watch TV without, in June, the whole month of June has turned into nothing but a pride month. Every single company does it. I say every single, but the vast majority. Every, it's all over the LGBTQ agenda it, what is the goal? To destroy the biblical family. We would all agree on that this morning as followers of Christ. We would have agreement on that. What is the biblical family? One husband, one wife, and children. Married under the authority of God in a covenant marriage relationship. Satan wants to destroy that in any way possible. He's trying to do it with an LGBTQ agenda, and he is actively trying to do it by persuading and tempting people into sexual sin. I think one of the things that's more concerning that I've seen over and over in the church, uh, and when I say in the church, I don't just mean Crossbridge, I just mean in general, is the concerning uh, lack of, um, how do I put this, lack of concern over cohabitation. Young people deciding to live with one another like they're married but not being married. I see that as a much bigger problem, folks, in the church than I do the LGBTQ agenda. We all have agreement on that. But how many Christian parents will sign off on their children living with someone before they're married? And, and we hear excuses like, well, they're going to do it anyway. No, no, no. We stand for what's right, church. Teach them what's right. And then you know what? Something I've always learned from John Stroop, don't enable bad behavior. If your child is 18 and they decide they want to go off, you've raised them in a Christian home, and they want to go off and live like they're not followers of Christ, and they want to live in a cohabitation relationship, guess what? I'm not giving you any money. I'm not going to pay for your car. I'm not going to pay for your insurance. 
I'm not going to support you at all in what you've chosen to do. Instead, we see families, Christian families, let these boyfriends and girlfriends move in with them. It's very, very concerning. And what we're doing is we're enabling the temptations. We're aiding the temptations. And we can believe, well, well, they, they live under the same roof, but nothing's going on, Pastor Jeff. Listen, I was born at night, but it wasn't last night. I remember what it was like 18 and 19. I get it. We have to stand for what's right, though, and what the Bible says. Well, so how do we, how do, so it's not a question of whether these temptations are going to come. If you, raise your hand if you have a smartphone this morning. Everybody in the congregation probably has one. That means the temptation is going to come. So it's not, is it going to come? How do we overcome it? How do we overcome this? Okay, let's get into some meat and potatoes. The first thing that we have to do is we have to agree with God that it's sin. We have to agree with God that it's sin. What does Joseph say about Potiphar's wife? If you go back to verses 7 through 9, this is what Joseph says. How could I do this great wickedness and sin against God? You know, he didn't say sin against Potiphar. Would it have been a sin against Potiphar? Yes, but he took it to a whole other level when he recognized that this was a sin against Almighty God by doing this. It was a sin against God. So he, he, Joseph is this scrapping, handsome young man who he had the opportunity to get with the lady of the house. His hormones are running a thousand miles an hour. How do we know that? Because he was just 17 or 18 years old. He was just 17 or 18. His hormones are running a thousand miles an hour, but he stops and he recognizes that this is a sin against God. You know what he had? He had a reverent fear of God. He had a reverent fear of God. Proverbs 1 7 says this The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom or knowledge. Fools despise wisdom and instruction. The beginning of wisdom and knowledge is to have a reverent fear of God. That your behavior, what you do, you want your behavior to honor God. That's the first way of overcoming this. In fact, what does Jesus say? Jesus' words in Matthew 10, 28, he says, Do not fear those who kill the body but cannot kill the soul. Rather, fear him who can destroy both soul and body in hell. Have a reverent fear that when you go through with these temptations, you are sinning against God. You're, it's a sin against God. Joseph agreed with God that it would be evil and wicked for him to sleep with Potiphar's wife. So he didn't do it. That's what drove him into that. Now, I could quote you other verses that say, if you sleep with someone else's wife, watch out because her husband's going to try to kill you. They're found in the verse of, in the book of Proverbs. That's literally the truth. That if you go around with sleeping with other people's wives, more than likely you're going to get shot dead. That's biblical. That's in Proverbs. In fact, when you, if you committed the sin of adultery in the Old Testament, you know what they did with you? Adultery. What is adultery? Premarital sexual relations, right? Only thing that God says, hey, better be within the confines of marriage. If it's not, you know what they did to you? They drug you out of the city and stoned you to death. That was a law that God had given the nation of Israel. So to think that God doesn't take this sin serious is just putting our hand, head in the sand and not wanting to recognize it. He takes it absolutely serious. And we have to agree with God about the sin. So that's the first thing to overcome this. You have to recognize that if I do this, this is a sin against God. 
It's a sin against God. Here's the second thing. How do I overcome this? How do I overcome temptation when it comes? Here's two words. And it's in the fruits of the Spirit. Self-control. Self-control. Paul writes a letter to Titus. Titus was asked, uh, he was ta- his task was visiting Crete, a place that was infamous. I mean, it was famous for sin and corruption. And Titus was to restore order to the churches. Turn to Titus. Titus chapter 2. Titus chapter 2. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to wait just a second while you find it. Because it's a small little book. Titus chapter 2. Verses 1 through 6. Titus 2, 1 through 6 says this. But as for you, teach what accords with sound doctrine... Older men are to be sober-minded, dignified, self-controlled, sound in faith, in love, and steadfastness. Older women, likewise, are to be reverent in behavior, not slanderers, or slaves too much, too much wine. They are to teach what is good. And so train the young women to love their husbands and children to be self-controlled, pure, working at home, kind, submissive to their own husbands, that the word of God may not be reviled. Likewise, urge the younger men to be self-controlled. Show show yourself in all respects to be a model of good works, and in your teaching show integrity, dignity, and sound speech that cannot be condemned, so that an opponent may be put to shame, having nothing evil to say about us. He's talking to the church. What does he tell? What's the same thing he tells every single group in the church? Be self-controlled. Have self-control. Over and over, that's what Titus says. What is self-control? It's having, it's one of the fruits of the Spirit. It found in Galatians 5, 22 and 23. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, self-control. Self-control is the ability to control your thoughts, your emotions, and your actions. In literal terms, it's to say no to your flesh. It's to say no to your flesh. Where does, where does that start, though? How do I get this self-control? It starts, Scripture says, with our minds. It's the renewing of your mind. In Romans 12, 2, we're told, Do not be conformed to the world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind. That by testing you may discern what is the will of God, what is good, acceptable, and perfect. So what is renewing your mind? If I get self-control by changing the way my mind is programmed, renewing the mind is changing your mind from the old ways of ungodly thinking into new godly ways of thinking. The only way to replace the error of the world's way of thinking is to replace it with the truth of God's Word. That transformation happens when we spend time in God's Word. Listen, there's not a shortcut There's not some magical formula for renewing your mind. You have to fill your mind with God's word. You have to fill your mind with things of God. Flip over just a a, a couple of books to Colossians chapter 3. Colossians 3. And I want you to highlight these for later. I want you to read these later. It's your homework today. Colossians 3, 1 through 10. In there, we're told to put to death. One of the things we put to death is sexual immorality. And and how do we put it to death? You 
Think about things above. You exercise self-control over sexual sin when you put off the old self and you put on the new self. The new self. By setting your minds on things above, not on things of the world. You seek the things of above where Christ is. You seek things that are above. You change the way you think about things by jumping into God's word and taking an eternal perspective. You start looking at things heavenly versus things earthly. And it changes your mind. It starts there. All right, what's the second thing? How's it, what's the second thing we can learn out of this? And here's the mistake. I, I, I kind of feel bad for Joseph because he's honoring the Lord with his actions, right? But one small mistake costs him going back to prison. He's doing right. I mean, he's doing right. He's, he, he understands it's a sin against God. He's not going to do it. But then he makes one mistake. He's not above reproach. What made him where that accusation could stick? What did he do in verses 11 and 12? He went back into Potiphar's house when nobody else was in there except for her. He put himself in a horrible position. He went back into the house. It says every day he went back into the house but there were other people around. But then he went into the house one day when it was just him and Potiphar's wife. He put himself in a position to be accused of something even when he was innocent. Fellas, listen this morning. We don't live in a society anymore that is innocent until proven guilty. We just don't. If you are accused of something, you are guilty until you prove yourself innocent. That's just the way it is. That's just the way it is. And that's the way it was for Joseph. He was innocent, but he had to prove his innocence. He was guilty. They, they said, you're guilty even though he was innocent. So listen, you can't put yourself in a position like Joseph did. You have to be above reproach. What is that? What is this above reproach? Well, it's one of the qualifications listed for church leadership. In 1 Timothy 3, 2, it says, Therefore an overseer must be above reproach. The husband of one wife, sober-minded, self-controlled, again, respectable, hospitable, able to teach. It means our lives should be free from someone being able to make an accusation of sin against us. We must not give the lost and dying world a cause to impugn your reputation. Joseph was guilty because he was with her alone and they believed her. So what should that tell us? If you're a married man, don't go hang out with another woman, even if nothing's going on. Don't go into a room alone with another woman. That's being above reproach. It mean, that's literally what it is. Hey, I had to learn this. This, this, I just didn't, I, I made some mistakes in my life on this. My previous job, I worked for a company, and I was the, kind of the guy, they sent everybody to train. And I drove around all over southwest Missouri, and they were sending people constantly for me to train them. Well, you know what they started sending? They started sending young ladies to train with me. I didn't think any twice about it, really. I mean, I was just working, just doing my job. They're riding around with me all week. And then... No accusation happened, but me and Selena got to talking, and I became more wise, and I thought, I can't do this anymore. 
this ain't good. Because what happens if Pastor Jeff's driving through Marshfield in his work van and one of you all sees some lady with me that ain't Selena? I know that I'm innocent. You think I'm guilty. I hope you wouldn't think that about me, but maybe you would. A lost and dying world could have. So I called my boss up and I said, hey, here's the deal. Don't send any more ladies down here for me to train. I'm not going to do it. And you know what they said? No problem. We respect that. No problem. So they didn't. But I had to learn that. I had to put myself in a position. Listen, if you're struggling this morning with lust, or you're struggling with sexual sin, with pornography, make sure you're putting yourself in a position of success, above reproach. What does that look like? Jesus says, if your eye caused you to sin, gouge, gouge it out and throw it away. If your phone caused you to sin, throw it away. Now, we laugh about this at the scene in the movie. You guys ever seen Fireproof? He takes his computer outside. He bashes it in with a baseball bat. And the neighbors are over there like, this guy's crazy. You know what he was doing? He, he had finally learned to be above reproach. He was going to eliminate anything in his life that was going to cause him to sin against God. He was going to eliminate it. Listen, men, ladies, don't ever be alone with anyone that's not your spouse. Get accountability partners in your life. They're going to help you with the fight. Put software blockers on your phone. Remember last week we talked about surrounding yourself with godly people. Dig into God's word. Have self-control. Now, here's, here's, what you're, here's what Satan's going to tell you right now. I guarantee you, Satan right now is going to tell you, you can't do that. You can't do it. You can't break this. You can't do it. You can't do it. You can't do it. But you know what God's word says? In 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 13, it says, No temptation has overtaken you that is not common to man. God is faithful. And he will not let you be tempted beyond your ability but with the temptation, he will also provide a way of escape that you may be able to endure it. So here's the question. It's not that you can't resist it or defeat the temptation. That's not the question. The question is, do you want to? The question is not, I can't do this. The question is, do you really want to? If you really want to, God gives us a way. If you don't want to, you're going to keep doing it over and over and over. Listen, you think, well, nobody understands. God does. He does. You know what else Scripture teaches us? He knows everything that you're going through. And he was tempted just like you, but he didn't sin. He's the example. Hebrews 4.15, it says that. For we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weaknesses, but one who in every respect has been tempted as we are yet without sin. There's an old hymn that I asked these ladies to sing this morning. Well, the ladies just going to form a group. Come on up here, ladies. You're going to sing this hymn. And I want you to remember the words. If you remember anything from the sermon this morning, I want you to remember the words of this
there's not a friend like the lowly Jesus. No, not I so put them on the spot this week. I so put them on the spot uh, last minute, too. Just a couple of days practice, and I appreciate you guys. Here's the thing. Why, why do I want them to sing that? Because he knows about your struggles. He knows about your temptations. And he will guide you till the day is done. We don't have another friend like Jesus. He knows. He knows. This problem of sexual sin, it's not a new problem. It's as old as time. But it's a sin that we must take absolutely serious. I read this this week. I want to share this. The strongest man who ever lived and the smartest man who ever lived both fell for the same reason, becoming attached to immoral women. Men, don't make the same mistake today. Save yourself for a God-fearing woman. Who's he talking about? Samson and Solomon. One last thing that I want to address this morning. I know I'm over. Just bear with me if you would. It's something that Paul said in 1 Corinthians 7, 8. It says, To the unmarried and the widows, I say that it is good for them to remain single, as I am. But if they cannot exercise self-control, they should marry. For it is better them to marry than to burn with, with passion. So if you're tempted into sexual sin, young people, get married. Have kids. I'll hold your babies. Get married. Have kids. Don't buy a TV for the first few years of your marriage. Okay? Enjoy one another. Get married. Have kids. Last set of verses I want to close with. 
And I don't say these in a laughing or a jestful matter. Because I know these are serious verses and God has them here for a reason. 1 Corinthians 7, same, same deal. I want to read 1 through 7. It says this. Now concerning the matters about which you wrote, it is good for man not to have sexual relations with a woman. But because of the temptation to sexual immorality, each man should have his own wife and each woman her own husband. The husband should give to his wife her, her conjugal rights and likewise the wife to her husband. For the wife does not have authority over her own, own body, but the husband does. Likewise, the husband does not have authority over his own body, but the wife does. Do not deprive one another, except perhaps by agreement for a limited time, that you may devote yourselves to prayer. Then come together again, so that Satan may not tempt you because of your lack of self-control. Now as a concession, not as a command, I say this. I wish that all were as myself am. But each has his own gift from God, one of one, uh, one of one of one kind and one of another. Okay, so what's he saying? I know every married man in the room just gave a big amen inside his heart right now. I get it, right? They're saying, preach it, Brother Jeff. But what's this saying? Ladies, don't withhold yourself from your husband. Don't punish your husband. The thing with that, that you think that the thing you want to punish him for could be leading him into more and more lustful issues with self-control. Don't do that. Men, be the godly husband and man that your wife wants to give herself to. Christian marriages should be the ones that the husband and wife are coming together often. That should be a hallmark. God gave us this wonderful gift as married couples. Take advantage of it as a married couple. If you're single and can remain single and serve the Lord, great. But if you have a problem with self-control, get married. Get married and come together. I'm going to ask the worship team to come today. Here's the closing. If you aren't living above reproach, if you are out of control with no self-control, if it's your lustful thoughts, your lustful actions, destroying your marriage, what is the answer? The Lord Jesus Christ. Christ, having a relationship with Him. Second, renewing your mind, putting yourself into a position of success, being above reproach. If this is a sin that you struggle with or are tempted with this morning, please don't be embarrassed. Satan wants this to be embarrassing so that you won't get help. This church is a hospital for sickness. Me and Michael talked about that a long time ago. Can you imagine being sick and going to the hospital or doctor and being really sick and then you walk in for the appointment and you tell him, oh, I'm feeling just fine. He couldn't do anything for you. You're lying to yourself. You're lying. Don't do that. If we need to start support groups over this issue, have classes on this, we can and we will. You have to be honest with yourself. I'm going to ask you to stand this morning. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, I thank you, God, this morning for your word. This is a tough subject to talk about, a tough sermon to preach. I pray this morning that if there are people that are struggling with this, they don't walk out of here acting like they're fine. That they be honest with themselves. And they recognize that it is a sin against you. And they start changing the way they think. They get into your word. 
And they exercise self-control. They choose today to not do it anymore. To just stop and put their focus on you and things that are above. In everything we do, we give you the praise and glory. In your name I pray. Amen. I don't normally talk during this time, but guys, uh, I struggled with this for years, man. It's, uh, this sermon hit home. And the best thing that I ever did, guys, is talking about accountability, man, is uh, I made my wife my accountability partner. And I downloaded the app and stuff on my phone. You know, I'm being vulnerable, but just being real. And what better way to keep you accountable is your wife, because you don't want to break her heart again. So if you're struggling, guys, that's what we need to do. I mean, take extreme measures for extreme problems.
Right. I want to thank you guys this morning. Uh, I want to say this before we close, that, you know, statistics tell me this morning that there are many people that are struggling with the sin that heard this sermon this morning, whether online or here, and didn't come forward. Statistics say that. And I want to say, if that's you this morning, nothing's going to change in your life. <laughs> nothing's going to change. Your marriage is going to continue to decline. You're going to suffer. You're going to be in sin. You're not going to be happy. It's never going to make you happy. You're going to keep going down the same road. If that's you this morning, you need to come talk to one of the elders. If it's a lady this morning, go talk to one of our wives. Get help. There's no, there's no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. You remember that. There's nothing but support and help and love. And we're going to be here for you. And, and I want to say this, too, before I read the benediction. If, if you have teenagers in your household, you better be talking to them about this. You know... We talked about sex a lot at our dinner table, didn't we, Selena, when our kids were growing up. You may think that's funny and you laugh about that, like, oh, man, I can't believe he did that. You know what? I gave them the answers. Your teenagers are going to get the answers from somebody. It's either going to be you or somebody who's lost somewhere else. Have this conversation with them. This is a biblical conversation. Have this conversation and be, and be no. Here's the benediction, not normal benediction. I shared this verse earlier. Be sober-minded. Be watchful. Your adversary, the devil, is prowling around like a roaring lion seeking to someone to, to devour. He wants to devour you. He wants to devour your marriage. He wants to devour your children with this issue. If you can't look around our country and see that this isn't a problem, you got your head buried in the sand. Wake up. And, and we should be a church that's ready to address this problem. And if that means support groups or whatever it looks like, I don't know. I don't know. I'm, I'm not the miracle genius, but we'll do it. If we have enough people need help, we'll, we'll, we're going to help. We're not, we're, we, this church has never been scared of getting into a ministry that somebody else may think is ridiculous, have we? Never have been. And we wouldn't be on this issue either, I'm telling you. I love you guys. If you need help, reach out. Reach out. You, the help may be from me. You know what you're supposed to do, do it, right? That may be the help. It may be encouragement like that. I don't know what it looks like, but we'll be there for you. And we'll, we'll support one another because that's what we do is we love one another. I'm going to ask Alan Greenfield, would you close us in prayer this morning? Let me give you a mic, Alan. Our holy heavenly Father, we love you, Father. And Father, we thank you so very much that you place within your word of how we can know when we are in danger and how we can be right and father how to stay right and father I pray today after we've heard this word from you that we would rely upon your word and trust it and father if we need to go and seek help father thank you for our pastor Jeff who is who is a good man to stand and preach this sermon today. We love you, we thank you, and most of all, we thank you for our Lord Jesus Christ. In his name we pray, amen.